Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 104 of Growth Marketing Today. I am your host, Ramley John. And today is all about conversion rate optimization and the process that's been applied to eBay, Target, and a lot of other big shot companies. Now, when it comes to conversions and conversion optimization, there is no silver bullet. What works for one business may not translate to another. And if you want to boost your conversions, unfortunately, you have to put in the work. But that doesn't mean you have to start from scratch. That's why in this episode, I talked to Khalid Saleh. He is the co-founder of Invest and author of Conversion Optimization, the Art and Science of Converting Prospects to Customers. He outlines his five-step process for boosting conversion rates. And like I said, he's been in this industry for over 10 years. Khalid and his team have worked with amazing companies that you probably know, like 3M, eBay, Target, and more. So he's legit. <laughs> in this episode 104, you're going to learn first why most marketers are talking to customers for users' research incorrectly. Second, the conversion optimization process applied at 3M, eBay, Target, and more. Third, why shouldn't marketers rely on tools and tactics? Now, before I jump in, I've actually put together all the actionable tips and lessons from this episode that Khalid gives out in a one-page PDF. You can take that, apply all those lessons to accelerate the growth for your company. You can download and steal my notes at growthtoday.fm forward slash 104 to download that PDF now or find the link in the description. And just a reminder, I only provide a cheat sheet for the latest episode. So make sure to get that before I publish the next episode next week. Get it now before I take it away. Before we jump in, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a RevOps and demand generation shop. You can check them out at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT for a free consultation. And you can also find that link in the description of the show. And if you're interested about getting an ad-free version of this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash growth today to sponsor this podcast for as little as $2 per episode. Enough about me, let's jump in, in my chat with Khalid. Hey everybody, I'm excited to chat with Khalid. He is he has been in the conversion rate optimization space for a long time. So we're really gonna get digging deep into into that topic. How's it going, Khalid? How how's your Friday? Ah, good, good. I've had a I've had a rough Thursday. Um I stayed up until 5 a.m. I don't usually do that because m- even if I try, my body refuses. You know, it's just like by nine, it's like, okay, dude, you got you gotta go to sleep. But I had a call with a client in Japan at 2 a.m. So I'm like, okay, sure. Like, you know, we're just kicking things off with them. So I, I need to show up. And then I had this idea. I'm like, you know what? Since I'm staying up until 2 a.m., I might as well barbecue a brisket. Um, this is my first time barbecuing a brisket and I did not know it's going to be a 20-hour ordeal. So basically, I stopped barbecuing. I finished the call at 3.30 a.m. I throw the briskets on, like, you know, on the pit and... You know, 20 hours later, like, you know, I have slept only like, you know, two hours on and off. And I'm like, okay, 
I mean, it was an amazing brisket at the end. But I tell you what, I don't know if it was worth the effort. I will pay somebody to barbecue the brisket for me next time. Just go to an amazing place and that's the end of that. That's funny you say that. Like my wife just made tzatziki for the first time a couple of days ago. And I'm like, this took an hour. We could have just bought this for, <laughs> for five bucks. <laughs> uh, the fun, yeah, the funny part is like, you know, because it's a humongous brisket. It's like you can only buy 15 pounds. I'm like, okay, I, I can't eat, like, you know, me and the kids. So my wife en- ends up inviting her brothers. So there's this anticipation in the whole family about Carl's briskets. And I'm like, okay. So, and then I discover that like, you know, you have to get the brisket to 200 degrees. I'm like, okay, I can do that. We're, we're doing really well. But there's something called the brisket stall. I just found out about it yesterday where the brisket goes up to 190 degrees and just gets stuck there. And I'm like, come on, 10 more degrees. And everybody shows up to the house. They're like, what's going on with the brisket? I'm like, we're waiting. Four hours later, you know, but you know, it works out really well because when you're hungry, you, any kind of food tastes really good. So everybody thought that was true. amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. You say that I ask you what your favorite hobby is and you said barbecue. What's your, what's your favorite barbecue meat? Like, is it brisket? Like it's your first time, but like, is there any other? I mean, I, I, I tell you what, yeah. I mean, like I, I complain about the brisket, but I will be doing it on a monthly basis. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just need to transfer that knowledge that accumulated yesterday to That's my son. Funny. And like, and I'm like, okay, go ahead and do it. Uh, but I must barbecue probably twice or three times a week. Like, you know, just sometimes just like, you know, chicken legs, you throw them on, on, you know, on the grill. It's really quick. It's really healthy. Um, mm. you know, uh, steaks, of course, like, you know, the kids love steaks and I'm I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a steak. Uh, I tried fish. That failed miserably. Um, but, you know, uh, come from, from conversion optimization. I got to fail a few times until I figure out the best approach. <laughs> That's a good one. So, there you go. Let's jump in. Let's talk about conversion optimization. Then you're, you've started this company. You know, can you talk a little bit about how you started that and what is it, what is your focus on? Sure. So we started Invest back in 06. Um, I used to be in a completely different world related. I used to be an e-commerce architect. Uh, so um, I've done Motorola, I've done American Express. Uh, actually, the competitor of Zoom, uh, GoToMeeting was the uh, GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar was my last uh, last project. Now, on in uh, I think it was the end of 2005, I was a software architect for Motorola. Uh, amazing project, about $35 million. I was one of three software architects, uh, had a development team, about 150 developers. And we were tasked to build an e-commerce uh, platform site for Motorola. Um, three months, that's all it took us. You know, you, you put that many, like, you know, just brain power in a room. And we, I mean, oh my God, we were working 20 hours a day, but we knew how to launch it. So comes like, you know, January, we launched the site, everybody's really excited. And the site got so much traffic, although we had 16 servers uh, prepared for the site, the site crashed within, I think, two, three hours. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't, I, I was worried, actually, it's funny, because I was worried, I'm like, oh, are they going to get enough traffic or not? Well, it's Motorola. No, they all get the traffic. And they were running, like, you know, TV ads, and they're like, you know, billboard ads and newspaper ads about the new site. Well, great. So we bring the servers back up, figure out the issue. A month later, I think we've had about 10 sales. That's it for a $35 million investment. So I would say some people lost their job. Others like me figured out, I'm like, oh, this is interesting problem. This is an interesting problem. How can we solve it? Um, and thus, you know, I'd like um, my wife had started Invest at that point. She was trying to figure out, okay, well, she will do some content writing. So it was something supposed to be on the side. And I'm like, look into, look into helping companies increase their conversion rates. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I think there's, there's a problem over here. $35 million, 10 orders. I'm like, you can definitely do better than that. Um, lo and behold, like, you know, the, the company, you know, 
took off a couple of years later. Like, you know, I, I still remember my parents were visiting. She comes to me, like, she's like, Hey, Khaled, I think you should quit your job. I'm like, I'm a software architect. That's how people know me. Um, and I was like going, she's like, I think you can, you can do really well. Um, so, you know, I, I literally, I'm like, I remember, like I said, I had a conversation with my CEO. It was such a, I'm a, sometimes a spontaneous person. So I have a call with my CEO who was very supportive and continues to be supportive uh, until today. He's actually one of our business advisors. Um, I told him, Hey, I think I can, I can do this. It's like, Hey, yeah, if, if that's your passion, if that's what you think you can do, go ahead and do it. And I still remember walking into the room because my parents were visiting and I'm like, Hey guys, by the way, I quit my job. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be joining my wife. They're like, we thought she's doing something on the side. I'm like, yeah, she is. But this, her side thing is going to be our thing and we're going to be doing it together. <laughs> my mom thought I was crazy. My dad was just quiet and just shaking his head. He's like, I don't know what happened. Fast forward to 2020, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice story to have and, and, and to share. So that's a great story. I, I love that. You know, how, how long has it been now? Like 14, 16, how many years? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I tell you, I mean, the first three, four years, it was kind of the wild west of experimentation. I mean, I've done things that I'm ashamed to, to, to even <laughs> talk about nowadays uh, because we've done so many silly mistakes uh, back then that you look back at them. I was like, what was I thinking? I'll, I'll mention this one story. And, and I love O'Reilly because they're our publisher. You know, we wrote a book, they published it, and they said, hey, guys, come and help us increase conversions. I still remember the first A-B test that we've done for O'Reilly. They got a ton of traffic. I mean, you're talking about like, you know, hundreds of thousands of visitors. We're like, oh, we can launch so many like, you know, tests for them, like, you know, so many variations within a test. We take their product page, we create, we're doing multivariate testing. So we end up running their product page against about 98 different variations. You know, we launch it and I think about 30 of them beat the original or thoughts or sought to, or so we thought. Because when you have that many variations, guess what? Your chance of having a false positive increases to about 90%. So we thought we had a winner. I, I, I remember showing that case study everywhere in like, you know, conferences. Everybody's like, oh man, this is amazing. No one had even like, you know, understood, had the knowledge to say, hey, you have 98 variations. This is a horrible way to do a test. And at that point in time, we were using a software and it's still available until now, VWO, Visual Website Optimizer. We were working with their technical team. Their technical team never thought that there's a problem with that many variations. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was one of the more complex tests for VWO at that point in time. Uh, it broke their software left and right. They had to get their engineering involved, and nobody thought, "Like, hey guys, we probably should not have, shouldn't have that many variations." Um, at, uh, people don't know this, but the minute you introduce at, at five variations, your chance of finding a false positive increases to about fifty percent. Imagine, like you know, at five, you're fifty percent. That's ninety-eight variations. So um, I look at this and I'm like, it's a nice story. It's an embarrassing story. It's something that we've learned. We don't do this anymore. So that's a good. That's a good story. Yeah. I didn't even know that. You know, you worked with O'Reilly. You worked with some really big companies. So what other companies have you worked with that you can talk about in the past? I mean, we we work with, in all honesty, like in you know, lots of times, people, and it's funny you talk about like you know the impression. So. Uh, and I always tell people, I'm like, you know, think about the impression that you give to people talking about the company. So mm -hmm. on our site, when you go, we have these big name clients, eBay and 3M and Ericsson and uh, Special Olympics. And then like, you know, for a while I was wondering, I'm like, hmm, I wonder why like, you know, small and mid businesses don't contact us. Oh, Usually they reach right. out to us through LinkedIn. They saw me speak somewhere and then they'll say, Hey, Colin, do you, do you take clients? And I'm like, of course. They're like, well, those big names, they scare us. 
And imagine this, like, you know, I'm like, no, 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 they're not supposed to scare you. They're supposed to give me a trust signal. They're like, yeah, maybe too much trust. Uh, so I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, and I'm like, I never thought about that. I thought I was doing something good by adding these big names. Sometimes you do things and you send signals and you don't think about them. So now we're redesigning the sites. We're like, oh, let's think about this. About, I would say about 70% of our clients are kind of in the small, uh, the SMB, mm-hmm. small to medium size. And then we have the large clients. The large clients are really nice because, you know, they can afford to pay more. We can do just some amazing testing with them because they get a ton of traffic. Uh, my, my favorite client is eBay, for example. We've been working with eBay now close to five years. Um, I, I, saw, I also mentioned the story, the most expensive A-B test that's ever been launched because when eBay brought us on board, uh, we're testing like another product page and it took us six months to redesign the product page, to finish, to redesign the test. Um, we had 23 iterations. You know, every time we wow. like, you know, somebody has a suggestion, we go back to the drawing board, change it. We launched the test six months later, nothing, what? no uplift, no nothing. So I'm sitting there with the CTO and the, the director who had brought us on board. And he says, he's like six months, one test. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no results. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's just looking at me. He's like, what happened? I'm like, well, I'm like, two things. You probably launched the most expensive A-B test ever. So, you know, and I will share the story as people like, you know, interview me. And we just had way too many iterations. It just does not make sense. Now, since then, um, and, and this is, by the way, so with eBay, sort of interesting because we, we test some internationally and then it moved to different offices. So this was eBay Turkey. Um, since then, they've restructured their team completely. Um, now, now, like, you know, initially it was like we're working with a director and it was just really complicated. Now they have 17 development teams. Each development team does not launch a single feature without doing an A-B test. Such a transformation in, in five years. We go from the most expensive A-B test to like sitting there. It's like, okay, so we're trying to run like, you know, about like 40, 50 tests in the next 30 days. How is that going to work? Uh, you know, so... Uh, it's, it's, it makes for for interesting stories and, and the learnings that you get from from those are very powerful. Let's talk about that learnings. You know, one of the things you wanted to talk about is how how much a lot of conversion optimizers, even marketers, they rely on templates and tactics too much. Can you know that's a, probably a big mistake? Is what? Can you talk a little bit about you know th- those people who are relying on those tactics? Think about this. Every time you want to do something in marketing, the first thing that people ask about, oh, is there a template for it? You know, and, and you go ahead and Google and it's like, what are the steps to do this? And what happens is everybody copies everybody else. Um, yesterday I was on, on Dave Gerhardt's uh, group and somebody had asked, had made a comment about free webinars because we have free webinars everywhere. And, and it's sort of interesting because he's a marketer and he says, you know, he's like, I hate the word free webinars, uh, you know, and it's like, but everybody uses it. And what Dave Gerhardt had commented, and it's very powerful, he said, he's like, probably the reason that everybody's using it is because everybody's copying everybody else. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. not like anybody tested it or not. Um, and, and that's what happens. You know, we copy, we restrict, you know, we, we go from craftsmanship into very technician-like, correct? One, two, three, four, checkbox, 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 creativity goes out the door and everybody copies everybody else and you have a herd mentality and there's nothing unique and everybody looks like everybody else. Um, And then we wonder why our conversion rates are so low. We wonder why customers are really not in love with our brand because the brand looks very vague, you know, very blurry uh, to customers, just like, you know, how we also don't really understand our customers. It's kind of like a problem on both sides. Your brand is very blurry and it's not very clear. You think you know your customers, correct? Everybody says, 
I know my customers, focus on the customer. And you know what I hear when people say that, blah, blah, blah. And people say, no, I can't believe you said that. You're a marketer. I'm like, man, uh, I was listening to uh, an ad on the radio and it's like this law office. And he says, we put customers first. We put, we put clients first. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how a law office puts clients first. Or is it charging them less? Is it doing less work? Everybody uses that, correct? So what does it mean to put clients first? This is like, you know, there are certain things that we repeat that don't make sense at some, time, at some point. That totally makes sense. And yeah, that's kind of leading to what I wanted to talk about as well is, you know, a lot of people, one of the, the things that everybody's copying now is, is admitting that they're talking to customers because it's, it's in, right? It's, oh, yeah, we're talking to us customers because if you're not, then you're, you're a bad marker. You know, you need, to be, you need to be put in marketing jail or something like that. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what you mean by that? And you gave an example there and how, how people can fix that. How can people actually say when they talk to customers, yeah. actually get I, something I, out of it? I, I think if you know how to talk to customers correctly, it will make you the most amazing marketer. It will make you the most amazing copywriter. It will make you the most amazing brand. But there's two things to it, you know, talking to customers, doing actually like, you know, doing the effort and people sometimes get scared of doing that. And then knowing what to talk about, uh, two different like, you know, sides to, to, to the formula. I would say, I'm like, you know, it's just like, you know, when you go fishing, you got to have the, you want to go to a place where there's fish, correct. And you got to have the bait with you. Uh, you show up, I've done fishing where I show up to a place and like, you know, I didn't bring the bait and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what's going on over here. So you got to know how to have the right conversation now. And and this is lots of times marketers, when they have uh, those conversations with customers, I think the conversation go in the wrong way because there's, they start by saying, so why are you using our product or service today? And the customer just blurts out a whole bunch of things, kind of top of mind answers uh, of why they like, you know, wanted to use the, the, the product or the, or, or the service. And then like the conversation to moves into, so what do you like, you know, what's new features we should add? You know, what are the things wrong, 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 both wrong on both accounts. I never ask customers why you used a product or service. Um, what I start the conversation, thank you, you know, for having the conversation. So let's go back to, so when did you buy this product? Oh, I bought it a month ago. So what was going on in your life at that point when you decided to buy this product? You know? And they're like, ah, oh, man, I had a fight with my wife that day. I'm like, oh, so let's talk about that a little bit more. And people always find it very strange. Like, what? Every decision that we make is tied to an emotional side, is tied to a social side of, of buying things. Um, the best example that I give, you know, there, there's this uh, famous saying from Professor uh, Lovitz in Harvard. He says, people don't buy a quarter inch drill, P- they, people buy a quarter inch hole. And I'll tell people, I'm like, you know, I've just bought a drill. I did not buy a drill. I did not buy a hole either. What I bought is that we had just moved to a new house and I had these like, you know, arts, like, you know, on the ground for about a month. And my wife kept on nagging me. When are you going to put the pictures up? When are you going to put the pictures up? When are you going to put the pictures up? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Home Depot. I am getting that drill. I did not buy the drill. I did not buy the whole, uh, what I bought is my wife leaving me alone and like not hearing about it. So there was an emotional side, but there's also another reason. My friends were coming over that weekend and I really wanted to show off the pictures. <laughs> so, uh, and, and to kind of demonstrate this was actually sort of interesting because my, uh, my wife slash, by the way, partner, business partner, 
just wrote an article about drills and holes. So we said, oh, let's go on Twitter and find out why people buy drills. And she just literally took screenshots of different ads. Like, and everybody focuses on the drill and the voltage. And for somebody, like, I, I bought the drill. I don't even know what kind of voltage it had, by the way. It's like, okay, drill, $75, get, looks good enough. And that's what the ads focus on. Now, when she went to Twitter... And she looked at why people are buying the drill. So this one guy says, finally, buy the drill. My wife is going to stop nagging me. And I just laughed. I'm like, yes, I can connect with this guy. <laughs> She's like, leave me alone. But then she found this other lady. She says, oh, you know, I finally bought the drill. I'm going to put up these beautiful pieces of art on my wall. I'm like, wow. A third like, you know, person said, I bought the drill. It's going to make an amazing Father's Day gift for my father. Look at that. But the marketers who are selling the drill are focused on the voltage and the number of drill bits. And no, no, no. How about if I'm, if I'm like, you know, running marketing for those guys in Home Depot, especially around Father's Day, I would have like, you know, some posters there that say, you know, it's an amazing gift for your dad. Like, we don't think about that, correct? It's just easier to focus on the specs, the functionality, and we focus the emotional and then the social side. So I think going back to customer interviews, when you start digging through and you start asking about, so what was going on in your life? So when did this problem first happen? When did you guys talk about it? And kind of, figuring out that journey. the And then you use the words that the customers say, by the way. You use those words. It become, your copy becomes so powerful. Um, we, we're, we're doing uh, conversion optimization for a large SEO company. And we said, you know, they said, and they say, hey guys, can you help us you know, increase, increase conversions? And we're like, sure. So we tell them we have to do those. And, and this is called the jobs to be done interviews. Why do people hire products or service? And I, I can tell right away, the minute I suggested that, is their CEO looking at me and he's like, he has this look. He's like, really? He's like, you're going to do interviews with our clients. We know why our clients are hiring us. I'm like, just give me a chance. Let me talk to three of your clients. Yeah. <clears throat> so he says, okay. And, and begrudgingly, he was not really thrilled about it. He's like, you guys are probably going to charge us for all this like, you know, time. I'm like, let's just see if it's valuable. And I told him, like, you know, would you mind jumping on those calls and just listening as well? We do those three calls. And at the end of like, you know, the fourth, the third call, I'm like, what do you think? Like, you know, you thought that was like really not going to be useful. And he says, he's like, okay. He's like, okay. So two things, you can read my mind. I'm like, yes. <laughs> he said, the second thing is like, he's like the value of this uh, for me uh, is probably tens of millions of dollars over the next few years. He's like, I never imagined that we're going to learn so much from those customer interviews, the words that the people have used, uh, the emotions. He said, this is just so, this is a gold mine that's like, you know, we just uncovered. And the, the funny part is like, he looks at me, he's like, he's like, so when are we going to do the next three? And I'm like, I thought we agreed on three only. He's like, no, no, I think we, we can expand. So that's really, if you know how to talk to customers, it can open up so many doors for you um, that it just changes your marketing. I, I always tell people, I'm like, people think I write good copy. I don't. I just use the words of the, the end customer. Uh, and that's why people say, like, oh, this is really great. How do you come up with it? I'm like, yes, it's my little secret. So When we come back in just a moment, Khalid shares his exact five-step process that his team use at 3M, eBay, and Target to increase their conversions. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are our RevOps and Demand Generation shop and they help B2B SaaS businesses streamline operations, implement new tech stock, and design ABM and demand generation strategies. Now, they help you create a predictable revenue pipeline. Their passive clients include OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogix, FlexDay, and more. You can book a free consultation at 42.agency 
forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT. And I know that my friend there, Camille, he is the founder of that agency. He knows what he's doing. So shout out to him. Go check it out. The link is in the description of this show. And one more thing. This weekly podcast is my labor of love for all things marketing. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting me on Patreon. Now, Patreon allows the fans for this show to contribute as little as $2 per week, which is less than a cup of coffee a week. And you receive amazing and incredible perks and goodies like first, an ad-free experience of this podcast. Second, early access to every new episode before anybody else. Third, unlimited access to all the growth changes I've put together so far. You can learn more about all these perks at patreon.com forward slash grow today or find the link in the description of this show. And if you can't give or don't feel like it, that's okay too. I am just happy you're here listening to this show. Well, enough about this. Let's jump back in in my chat with Khaled. I think you're starting to lead towards it about your process for optimizing your clients' uh, conversions. You know, I'm guessing a big part of this interview, do you do interviews for all of your clients or do you know maybe they've already done some work and they just provide it to you? What is your process for optimizing conversions for your clients? Sure. So we typically always start by uh, by, by doing those interviews. Um, and, and those interviews, by the way, are ongoing for clients. I mean, a client might have been with us now for two years and we're still talking to mm-hmm. their customers. We never stop because there's always more insights that you can pull. Um, we worked with hundreds of clients and so now like, you know, the, yes, they've done customer interviews, but they do them in the fashion. It's like, Oh, tell me why. And then people just blurt out like, you know, just kind of the simple, those jobs to be done are interviews are on a much deeper level. So, and, and the clients love them. I mean, like you, you take the, the script and constantly, I mean, you, you have CMOs for like, you know, 300, $500 million companies who are listening to those interviews, you know, and sometimes they actually even jump on the calls. They're like, Oh, I'd like to listen. When, when are you guys doing some calls? Which is like, that tells you that they really, there's, they're finding value from that. So that there's that process. And, and the power of this process it not only figures out the issues that you have in your uh, on your site, but it really gives you a view for even major marketing initiatives. Right. Uh, lots of times when people talking about optimization, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to tweak the site. I'm going to fix usability. I'm going to make the button work better. Great. You need to do all that. But powerful marketing is marketing that actually helps you think about more strategic projects. Um, you know, so we're, we're working with an e-commerce website, large e-commerce website. They sell furniture. They're doing about $600 million oh, and their focus is online. Let's do online furniture selling. Well, as we do the interviews, we notice that a good chunk of the people that we interviewed, I don't know if it just happened, are basically real estate agents that are moving people into new apartments. And I'm like, hey guys, like, you know, do you think about making an offer and figuring out this market? Because until now, somehow they're reaching out to you, but I would dedicate somebody to this. And I still remember the marketing manager, they're like, eh, the marketing manager was not really too thrilled about this. I was talking to the CEO. I'm like, hey, it's probably worth looking into this. They've generated close to $21 million wow. out of like, you know, like we've listened to seven interviews. Everybody's suggesting this is probably worth. And he's like, yeah, we'll have somebody look at it. And then I was talking, he's like, this is about $21 million. We have, the market was there. No one is focused on it. You know, we just did the outreach. We like, you know, made special offers to those, those real estate agents who are already helping people move in. The real estate agents are making money. We're making money. This is powerful, powerful marketing. So you do the interviews. And then a second part of the process is we do what we call, if we're looking at a site, we'll do an expert review. Mm. 
So we look at the site and we say, okay, well, you know, based on experience, there's different frameworks that we use. Let's let's see, you know, we're putting our uh, ourselves in the shoe of the visitor and we're thinking about the visitor, how they interact with the sites. Um, and we just jot down the problems as we identify them. We jot them in mobile, we jot them in desktop. Then we will do a, th- a third portion as we look at data. So we spend, we have an analytics team. Uh, sometimes, like you know, just for fun, I, I do this regularly. I'll jump in and look at the analytics. I'm like, gotta, you got to stay sharp, yeah. correct? <laughs> if you're going to talk to people, I'm like, you, know, you got to know your your analytics. So we look at analytics. We look at heat maps. We look at videos. Um, we would launch polls on the website. We're asking people, you know, what brought us, what brought you to our website today? Um, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What's stopping you from converting? Now, polls are very powerful. The problem that I have, and I always have to mention this because people sometimes rely on polls too much. I tell them they're really good, but you have to remember they give you very few data points Mm. from a lot of people. They miss the context. So you got to be careful. You know, they should not be your mode of customer research. They're a small, tiny percentage. Um, Now, as you do those exercises, you end up with a humongous list. You can end up with 100, 200, 250 items of things that you want to fix. So you prioritize them. You say, okay, so which one do we think will have the least amount of effort, the most impact? Those are the ones that you want to show to your clients, kind of the big wins. Uh, and you start creating your, your A-B tests based, uh, based on those. So that's kind of the, in, in general, how the, how the process works. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. I really do appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm curious though, a little bit about something that you talked about on another podcast where you, you said that a lot of optimization is focused on like very high level, like sign up or, you know, very, and you talk more about like, we should be optimizing for a lifetime value, which is like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, that's another thing that a lot of people copy is like, oh, let's, let's change this button color because it's going to increase the, the sign up rate or let's change this copy. It's going to get more people to download this thing where really that's not the goal of optimization, yeah. right? I, I mean, I think lots of times, lots of the tactics that we're using nowadays are the tactics that we've used 14, 15 years ago. Even by the way, when it comes to SEO, like oh, let's put this like, you know, this landing page and white paper and people can download it and we capture their email and we're guilty of this, this is what, we're, what we do, by the way. And I'm like, we've captured close to 35,000 emails because people download our white papers. So how many of those actually generated sales? I don't know, zero, 10 out of 35. That's horrible, horrible. We got to rethink, rethink marketing, correct? I mean, I can come into a site and I can increase your conversion rates by 100%, offer your products for free. And there you go. That's the <laughs> trick. You don't want that. The question is, it's not about single, for, for most businesses, it's not about the single time conversion, correct? It's about a relationship that I'm going to have with you. And we live in a time where everything has been commoditized. It it really is challenging. Services have been commoditized. Products have been commoditized. I can buy the same product. Going back to my barbecue, I literally bought the same items from Amazon. They were taking longer to arrive because of my barbecue, you know, uh, journey. Uh, So I go to Walmart and I buy the same products. I'm like, oh, they're available at Walmart. And now I have to decide. I'm like, oh, I used half the stuff from Amazon, the other half from Walmart. Let's return some of the stuff because everything is a commodity to me. Um, You know, uh, how do you stand out? You stand out through two things. The user experience, correct? What's the experience of actually using your product or service? And, And it's challenging, by the way, to figure that out. And even more powerful, you stand out through creating a tribe. A tribe that feels that, you know what? I buy this product because people like me buy this product. Uh, can you do that? That's, that's, that's challenging. I, I give the example of Lululemon. Uh, I've learned about those from my brother-in-law who refuses to wear jeans besides, besides Lululemon. And I'm like, 
look at the, that's what he's saying. He's like, oh, you have to try them. They're really amazing. My first filter is like, how much are they? You know, he's like, they're amazing. I'm like, how much are they? Let's, let's, he's like $132. I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to spend $132 on a pair of jeans. And he's like, why? But they feel so good. I'm like, I always throw this and I don't know. I was telling him, I'm like, you know what? We'll do like a double blinded study and you probably cannot figure out like a Levi's versus a lemon. Maybe he can. He claims that he can. My filter is the $132. I'm not going to do that. His filter is, and, and he said it, he's like, well, you know, he's like, come on. He's like, you make enough money. People like us wear Lululemon. I'm like, no, people like you wear Lululemon. People like me spend like a maximum $30 on a pair of jeans. I will spend hundreds of dollars on a suit, but not on a pair of jeans. Um, And it's funny because Lululemon just acquired a company right now, one of those like, you know, mirrors that you put and you do the workout. And I was reading what what they said and their CEO said, you know, we bought it because our community uses that product. Again, as people like us use those, use those products, can you figure out that tribe? People like us, you know, buy the product. Um, it's very powerful if you can figure out, if you can figure this out. And, and if you optimize for that lifetime value where somebody is committed, not only do they buy from you, but next day they go to the office, they look at their, you know, call, you know, and now no one goes to the office, but they jump on a Zoom call and they're like, hey man, I just bought this product from this company. Um, how often does that happen? It really rarely happens, correct? But if you're able to do that, your marketing is, is on steroids. There's a whole other level of optimization. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like you're almost, you know, not just optimizing websites, you're optimizing the customer experience so that they become the fans like you, you talk about essentially, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, instead of a marketing department, I have a team of marketers all around. My, my customers are the raving fans, correct? That's kind of the name, the name of the book uh, who are just constantly talking about, talking about your brand. And, and it's really not easy, but if you're able to do that, I have seen companies, and not to name names, but I've seen companies with crappy products. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but you love the brand. You love the brand to the point that like, I'm, I'm just really trying to make this product work for me. I was talking to somebody yesterday, love them. They're based in Chicago. People love the brand. It is very strong. But the user experience, I'm like, I was talking to him and I'm like, I'm like, dude, it is so difficult to use your product. And I'm a technical guy. I'm a, I used to be a software architect. I can run loops probably around any, any marketer when it comes to technology. But I'm like, and, but he has this tribe. He has about like, you know, like probably a hundred thousand people that whatever he puts out, no matter how good or bad it is, they will sign up. I was like, oh man, to have, to have that, you know, you just absolutely cannot put a dollar value on it. I want to start wrapping up. And, you know, one of the questions I love asking is if you had one or two pieces of advice to marketers or founders, anybody else, it could be anything. It could be about conversion optimization or it could be about life. What would be this, <laughs> what would be this one or two pieces of advice you'd want to give to, to marketers and or even so, founders? Yeah, I'll, I'll say as, a, as founders, and I'm, I've been reflecting about this lately, about something that actually hindered our growth at the beginning. Um, and then I'm like, I want to write this on LinkedIn because one of the things that actually stopped our growth at the beginning was being afraid uh, of looking stupid. Uh, I always was worried. I'm like, I gave this impression because I came from corporates, you know, and I ran teams and, and I wanted to give a picture of like, you know, this big company. It was only me and my wife to start with. Um, you know, but I was afraid to look stupid and I use copy that I'm like, I look back at it. I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? You know? And I stopped doing marketing because I'm like, well, this might look 
look stupid to others. Well, guess what? It looked very stiff as a result. Um, looked like, you know, very robotic and mechanical. The minute I felt comfortable to say, you know what, here's who, you, who we are. And yeah, we'll make mistakes. Uh, no big deal. We can own up to them and we've learned from them. People absolutely love that. So that's an advice. Don't be afraid to, to, to look stupid. Most likely people wouldn't notice it in the first place. And if they notice it, they'll think you're human. And they're like, oh, okay, no big deal. And then the other advice I would give, there's a book actually talking about stupid, The Road Less Stupid. It talks about the stupid tax and all the mistakes that you make you know, while you're running a business. And I think it applies to marketing runs, like it applies if you're running your own business. All the mistakes and like, you know, uh, the Keith uh, Cunningham, the author, he says, you know, uh, having the right answers is smart. Asking the right questions is genius. So he just, you know, he just mentions lots of questions. Like, and, and the book is really easy to consume. I forgot 50 chapters. Each chapter is about three pages. And he gives you lots of questions to ask. And I sit there and I ask myself those questions. And as, as I'm asking, I'm like, ugh. Yes, I paid the stupid tax. Yes, this was uh, like you know a hundred thousand dollar mistake that we made over here. <laughs> you know, we could have like it'll probably done it better in a better way. So I, I would highly recommend uh, everybody read that book and then just uh, even actually even better listen to it on audio because he narrates the book himself and it's such a good audio to to, to listen to. Do you have any more, uh, advice for marketers about conversion optimization? We talked a lot about com- optimization or experimentation, but what would be your one or two piece of advice about experimentation? Th- there's two sides to do, running a good optimization program. There's the technical side, correct? Statistics and, and figuring out how to do the, the math. Lots of times people are afraid of looking at those statistics and they get stuck in them. Now, I'm, I'm a computer science degree, so I look at the statistics and you can look in our blog and I've written way too many articles that have full of, full of formulas just because it's the trend, correct? I, I also follow the trend where everybody is writing about statistics and I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, for running... A, an, an experimentation program, you need to have basic understanding. Now, basic understanding means probably about an hour. There's only things that people do that you need to avoid. You know, you cannot like run an experiment when you're only getting 100 visitors. Probably not worth running an experiment. Uh, you know, and, and there's, again, it's about an hour. But the more interesting side of conversion optimization of experimentation is human behavior. Um, you can hire developers to do the technical side. You can like, you know, learn like, you know, the things that you need to do when it comes to technical side of experimentation and you figure out the kind of the, the, the technical side, but the human algorithm, how people act, how people think, deciphering the human behavior, it's a lot harder. Invest your time in that. And yes, you can get the basics. The button is not the right place. The image is not in the right place. That's fine. But that's not going to take you from a 1% conversion rate to an 8% conversion rate. Figuring out powerful copy, uh, connecting with your visitors and an emotional side, that's what takes you from a 1% to 8%. And it's hard. You know, otherwise, everybody will be converting at 8 and 10%. No, very few sites are able to achieve that. So focus on, on that side. Uh, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about as well. And just as a last question, you know, where can people find out more about you? Well, what is your call to action to my listeners? Where do you want them to go? Follow you on Twitter, LinkedIn, go to your Link- website? What, yeah, what LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn, LinkedIn. You know, uh, it's funny. I, I tell people I've been on LinkedIn two thousand since 2007, but I've been really on LinkedIn since January of 2020. Um, everybody's on LinkedIn, but like, you know, I'm like, I used to wonder, I'm like, how come LinkedIn doesn't work? Well, it didn't work because I never really focused on it. I would use it just to drop links to things that are useless. Um, the minute I changed my mind about it, uh, I, I've actually managed to build a community and people like, you know, interact and it's just very, very powerful. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Maybe you can include a link to my LinkedIn profile. 
um, we just we're about to launch uh, kind of first of August. That's when we created Invest uh, 15, 16 years ago. We are going to be launching our CRO Mastery course online. We typically teach this. We teach it at conferences all across the globe, from Singapore to the U.S. Now, because we're stuck at home, we're like, oh, let's make all this audio and video equipment. Let's you know, use it as something useful. So we actually recorded 160 lessons. Um, and I think on our anniversary, we're going to run a special uh, offer. So we're going to have it like, you know, discounted. Usually, I think the, the, the course will be for about $300. But on that day, uh, we're going to sell it for $49, um, just kind of like, you know, to celebrate. Uh, so maybe we'll include a link to that as well. Will do. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Khalid. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this show. Make sure to download the Growth Cheat Sheet for free with all the actionable tips from this episode that Kyle gives out in a one-page PDF. You can use all the lessons and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth of your company. Why well, take notes when you can just steal mine. Get that and download it now. Growthtoday.fm forward slash 104 or find the link in the description. And like I said, I will take this away when I publish the next episode next week. So make sure to get it now before it's gone. Before I end, I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a RevOps and demand generation shop. You can check them out at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT for a free consultation. And you can also find that link in the description of the show. Well, you can also support me. There's three easy ways. First, tell a friend about this. This is how podcasts gain traction is by fans telling their friends about this show second you can leave a review on apple Podcasts. this is a one way that the other marketers consultants and founders can find out about this show you can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app to make sure that you get the latest episode and third you can support me on patreon like i said for as little as two dollars per episode which is less than a cup of coffee a week with your support i can pay for my hosting fees marketing tools so i can focus on getting amazing experts you get some amazing perks with that do you get each episode ad free so you don't have to listen to any ads you also get unlimited access to all the cheat sheets that i've created so far you can go to patreon.com forward slash quote today or find that link in the description well that's it for this episode until the next one this is your host ramley john keep safe and as always keep on growing Passion.